Singletary in the backfield. Bills have it after a just Person 10 has deflected and picked off Mosey. He'll take it in. Now, stiff arm and he throws down the defender. Stiff arm's a crap. <laughs> Great good match right there. Fighting through contact, fighting through the offensive line, being a double team, multiple moves stacked into one. Just a play of pure domination. This is actual film, this is actual football talk. It's a football show, we're supposed to talk football, not storylines. And welcome to the second edition of uh, Blue It's Blitz. I almost called it TOJ Foam Room. Um, we are going to be doing 31 plays of Connor McGovern uh, to start the show. I'm also going to be recapping some of the Jets' free agency. I don't want to get into it a ton um, because you know I could sit here and talk about the players forever, but um, I'll speak about them more as I do the individual frame, uh, film breakdowns of them. But to just take care of some housekeeping, uh, like I said, this is the second edition of Blue It's Blitz. I uh, moved over to JetsXFactor.com uh, where a good amount of the um, – you know, content is is free. Uh, some of it is is not. You have to pay for a subscription. Like I said, five ninety nine a month or uh, fifty dollars a year. Um, if you want to apply to be a writer there, um, it's. I think you go onto the website and you go to like careers or something like that. You like submit an application, and then myself, Nanya, and uh, Sabo will review it. And depends if you want to be paid. If you don't want to be paid, we have different criteria for each. I don't think we're looking for anybody paid yet. But if you're looking to get some, uh, you know, get a start and all that stuff, that would be great. Um, we're going to be accredited by Google News most likely. So that would be pretty, pretty big if that w- were to happen. Um, so if you want to get a start, put on your resume, that'd be, that'd be cool for you guys. So check that out. Like I said, 31 plays of McGovern. Uh, we're going to have either Perryman or Desir next. I put out like a short vote, like a three hour vote. And we got like 300 votes, in like an hour. And then it looks like, I think Perryman is up right now, 56% to 44%. So Perryman's most likely going to be the next review. Uh, then we'll, then we'll be doing Desir. And then it's either going to be Van Rot or Van Roten or, uh, George Fant, depending on if they sign another guy, if they do sign another guy, let's say they, they trade for Trent Williams, it'll probably be Perryman this year, Trent Williams, and we'll get into the draft guys, um, where I already have uh, Judy Ruggs, Lamb, Thomas, Becton, Wirfs, Wills, and uh, Ch- uh, Chason um, prepared. So we should run through those. I don't want to. I didn't want to record those. Uh, those reviews and not give them out to you guys. So I think more people will be interested in Judy Ruggs, Lamb, Thomas Becton, Worfs, Wills than they will be in in Van Roten or maybe even Fant. But if I'm wrong, you know, tell me. Uh, feel free to to email me, comment uh, below on on the YouTube or tweet at me. I'm sure you guys know my Twitter by now. Um, if you're on Twitter at JoeRB31, uh, you can also follow Michael Nania, who's the best stats guy, Jet stats guy out there, um, in my opinion, um, at Michael Nania, M-I-C-H-A-E-L underscore Nania, N-A-N-I-A. Uh, you can follow the Jets X Factor uh, Twitter at Jets X Factor with no spaces. You can follow uh, Robbie Sabo at Robbie uh, Sabo, no spaces, JetsXFactor.com, no spaces. Uh, for the YouTube, just type in Jets X Factor. Uh, you'll find it. You'll see my face. You'll see McGovern reviews or whatever it may be. Uh, like I said, the podcast app, it's now Blue It's Blitz. Um, I would like to um, 
get more reviews on there. I, I think for the, for the, when we get the 50th review, like I said, five stars is appreciated. If it's four stars, we'll leave what we can do better, whatever it may be, but it'd be audio, uh, which I heard the, the podcast last week had some like weird, like almost like I was writing with a pencil type sound in the mic. I don't know what that was. Maybe it was the other mic, but uh, I always try to improve that. Uh, Patreon. I have a Patreon too. Um, on top of the subscription, I don't really expect Patreons anymore because of the subscription service, but there are a few dedicated people out there and that helps me you know, pay for the laptop and the hard drive and the, uh, you know, the mic and a bunch of different things, but I don't think that's necessary really at all anymore because of the website. So I think take that money and put it towards the website. Like I said, it's a, it's, it's two, three cups of coffee a month to get some of the best jets content out there. Um, we should have more people joining soon. I'm not going to say who, but uh, pretty big, um, names and, uh, a lot of people will say there's a lot of Jets content out there, but I don't think there's Jets content uh, like that that we're providing. I think it's a lot of baseline stuff that it's a lot of uh, talking heads and storylines. There's not really in-depth stats or in-depth film reviews out there on, on Jets Twitter, to be completely honest. So um, you can also check out uh, Scott Mason at Play Like a Jet One. I just did a podcast with him the other day, uh, basically like 50 minutes of recapping um, multiple signings from Phantom and McGovern to um you know guys like Desir so um check that out for sure it's like a 50 minute podcast and he does a good job over there as well and like I said I just want to get into here let me pull up a play though uh, of McGovern but I wanted to get into some of what the Jets did um other than McGovern in the last couple of days that I have not recapped yet let me just pull this up so you guys are not just looking at okay so um some of the moves they re-signed Hewitt to, and I'll go through like I said pretty quickly. Hewitt one-year deal, good depth signing. I think overall he's overrated by Jets fans because he shows up in broadcast angle a lot, and you and, and he makes hard hits, so people think he's better than he is. Recognition's not really there. Um, he's decent in the run game, but not overall great because he doesn't have great movement skills. I don't think he reads things really well, but he makes some hard hits. I think he's a good depth guy, along with James Burgess, um, who is a guy who is a versatile linebacker. I think he could play. You know, Will and Mike, I, I think he can drop into coverage. He could play a little bit of man on tight ends and running backs. I think he's more versatile. If I had to choose one, I like Burgess more than Hewitt. Um, but those are two good depth signings. Now people are saying, okay, well, with those two guys signing, does that mean Avery Williamson's gone? I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think with having five inside linebackers, including obviously Mosley, um, Williamson, Hewitt, Burgess, and now Cashman. A lot of those guys have had some injuries issues. You know, Burgess missed like 14 games or whatever it was a couple of years ago. Obviously, Mosley missed all of last year for the most part. Williamson missed all of last year. So I think guys with injury problems, I think that's why they have five. Um, I don't necessarily think that trading a guy um, – <clears throat> excuse me, and, and Williamson's a, is a great idea because the Jets are lacking talent overall in the roster. I think Williamson's a guy who's young enough who could, you could look to re-up this, this, uh, this next year and you have one of the best inside linebacker duos um, in the league. And a lot of people say, oh, well, the Jets were already the number two run defense in the league and already top ten. Look at the teams they've, they played last year. It, it's not like we were playing a, 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 an all-star caliber lineup and, you know, defense is really it, – it's really – fluid where you know there's a lot of teams who finished number one or two in the league and then the next year they finished 10 so I don't think just because they were number two in the league last year playing some below average teams um means that we should just get rid of good pieces and Avery Williams is not he, he is better in the run game but he's definitely offers more than that in pass coverage I think he's a little bit underrated I wouldn't call him good I think he's average in that in that aspect which is good enough because you have a guy like Mosley you have guys like May and Adams who can make up for that um 
coverage in the middle of the field, you know, short to intermediate, whatever it may be. Obviously, more Adams than May, but May, May, they will shift up May a little bit where he's not just playing, um, you know, deep third or, or deep half or deep fourth, whatever it may be. So um, I think bringing back Williamson or, or keeping Williamson for his relatively low, low cap number um, is a smart idea, especially, like I said, you don't have a ton of talent. Um, around the team. So I would like to keep a strength of strength and not have to rely on a guy in Cashman who was, who flashed last year was inconsistent. He would, who should be a backup Burgess, who should be a backup. And when you're running, whether it be, you know, three, four, four, three, whatever it may be, if that second linebacker inside linebacker is going to see more than 50, 60% of the snaps, I'd much rather have Williamson than, than Hewitt or Burgess. So, or Cashman, like I said, so um, don't think it's necessarily smart to just, to just get rid of him. Um, they they and they re-signed Jenkins, who uh, a lot of people were saying. You know, I was personally thinking you get eight, nine, ten million dollars. They signed him for a one-year deal for five million. Uh, they re-signed Pool for one-year five million. Uh, they they signed uh, Perryman for a one-year deal, six million guaranteed. I think that can go up to eight million. But a lot of people are saying with these deals, especially Jenkins and Pool, <clears throat> why not? And by the way, yes, I am wearing a Guardians a sweatshirt. I, I just uh, I didn't even think about that, but uh, support my Guardians, even though hopefully the XFL makes it to this coronavirus. But by, by the way, the coronavirus, man, just the uh, facial hair is getting gross. The hair is getting freaking long. I just let let myself go because of this because of this thing. And my work's not really caring how we look anymore um, because of how serious this stuff is getting. We're not really coming into contact with the public too much anymore, but. Um, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, why not sign Jenkins for a longer deal? Why not sign Poole for a longer deal? I think a lot of people just assume it's Madden and okay, a one-year deal equals a two-year deal equals a three-year deal equals a five-year deal. Um, the players have to agree to it. And if guys like Jenkins and Poole are feeling what they're being underpaid, which they probably are, and, and kudos to, to, to Joe Douglas for that and, and stay, uh, standing pat and not giving them you know, what they are probably asking for. Um, at the beginning of free agency, like I said, whether that be seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars, like Mike McCagnan probably would have done, um, but they're betting on themselves. They don't want to take a three-year deal at five million dollars for you know three years, fifteen million dollars, because they feel like next year, if they ball out this season, they might be able to get a three, four-year deal for you know eight, nine million dollars a year. So why are they just going to automatically you know agree to signing a, a long-term extension? So I think people un- have to understand that Joe Douglas might have offered them three years, fifteen, sixteen million dollars, maybe even seventeen, eighteen, but those players rather take the shorter deal for less money to bet on themselves to to cash in next offseason so you have to the people have to realize it takes two people to tango it's not just the, oh well the jets you know if he accepts five million dollars this year then yeah of course he's gonna accept you know five million dollars over four years that's not how it works um they let robbie anderson walk uh, two years 20 million dollars with the panthers 12 million dollars in the first year um the the robbie anderson slander and i'm not going to get into this too much because it's just frustrating oh he he runs one route uh he he gets shut down versus top competition i showed multiple plays of him burning chris harris who's a top slot slot corner in the league i showed plays of him burning uh jalen ramsey beating aj boye beating trey white so he he beats those guys and oh look at his stats he's never got a thousand yards because everybody likes to go to stats but listen when you don't when you're when you're primarily a deep threat he can more run routes the the route I showed versus Chris Harris, he, he, he stemmed inside, peak technique, got Chris Harris to jump inside, stem towards Harris. So Harris thought he was going to try to uh, burn him deep. He opened his hips and he flipped to the outside and caught a ball on the sideline. Like he, he could do things like that. So, um, but yes, he is a primary, primarily a deep threat. And in my opinion, uh, a top five deep threat in the, in the NFL um, people, Oh, well, he didn't get a thousand yards. Look at who was throwing to him or never over a thousand yards. Fitzpatrick can't throw a ball deep. McCown can't throw a ball deep. Donald 
if anything, is the most he, he's more consistent deep than he is short to intermediate, and he also has the worst offensive line in the league based on his you know snap to throw last year. So how is a deep guy gonna get deep if if uh, Darnold has no time to either throw the ball or step into the throw to be able to lead him down the field fifty plus yards? So it's such a stupid argument. And then you have guys like Rich Dimini coming out. Oh well, the Jets finished thirty second in offense with Robbie Anderson. Okay, and I combated that with looking up the Rams stats because I know they're bad against the run. The Rams last year, I don't think I don't know if it was if it was two thousand nineteen or two thousand eighteen. I think I'm, I'm gonna say two thousand eighteen. They gave the the highest yards per carry to running backs. Guess what? Aaron Donald is trash. Get rid of him. They can't stop the run. It, it, does that correlate? Like, oh, 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 does does one player make a scheme? Does does one player make an offense? Does one player make a receiving game? No. There's so many. There's so many circumstances that 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 uh, that come into play with that type of thing. So just to say, okay, well, you know, the Rams have a bad run defense. Aaron Donald is overrated. Get rid of him. He gets paid too much. He's not that good. Is it, and obviously he's a different level of player and a different position than Robbie Anderson. Is the same thing as me saying Robbie Anderson. The Jets finished uh, 32nd in the league. Um, you know, Sam Donald's trash then too. Uh, now Robbie Anderson's trash. Okay, well, uh, oh well. And another thing I hear too is the Jets. Why side Jamal Adams? They went seven and nine last year. They never won with Jamal Adams. The first couple of years of, of Aaron Donald, the Rams were going four and twelve and three and thirteen. So he was trash too. Get rid of him. Do you see what I'm saying? Or the or the Falcons last year? They were they weren't really great. Julio Jones isn't good. Yeah, you know the Falcon the the the, the, the Texans didn't make the playoffs for a couple of years. DeAndre Hopkins trash. You know, like that's such a silly freaking argument to 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 make that one player make something. So we can go through a slew of good players who are on really bad teams, um, who who aren't raising it to you know to the next level because there's so much more there's 11 guys on a team plus coaching plus injuries plus who they're playing plus how they scheme against them so it, it that's such a dumb thing to say it's frustrating and i people all the time who i'm not going to just tweet back and forth to people robbie anderson's trash look at his stats he only does one thing like okay and then i had guys come at me oh well you know you're saying that he didn't have time to throw the ball look at deandre hopkins deandre hopkins and 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 robbie anderson are on two completely separate different levels hopkins is the best receiver in the nfl to me personally robbie anderson is is tier two but one of the best deep threats Deshaun Watson can chuck the ball up to DeAndre Hopkins because DeAndre Hopkins wins short to intermediate and he has, he has skills. He's a physical receiver to box guys out with strong hands to catch those balls that are tossed up. He's a 50-50 receiver. He's great at that. Robbie Anderson doesn't win in that way. He wins with, with, with a deep ball. If you're telling me right now Hopkins or, or Robbie Anderson running a nine route, I'm taking, I'm taking Robbie Anderson. Does that sound crazy? Maybe. But if you're just going based on that individual stat, I'm taking Robbie Anderson because DeAndre Hopkins can't – uh, can't you know uh, open up an offense deep like uh, Anderson does now if it's a deep ball that you're saying is contested I'm taking Hopkins every single day but in terms of creating separation and getting open deep uncontested deep balls for for 90 yard touchdowns it's Robbie Anderson all day so you can't compare Robbie Anderson to Hopkins you can't compare Hopkins to Thomas you can't compare Hopkins to Diggs to to, to Thielen to whoever else are your top receivers every guy wins in different ways so you can't just say oh well, look at Hopkins no no shit Hopkins is completely different. So it's such a frustrating thing. Um, uh, I have to take some advice from Nanya. He doesn't respond to people. I don't let, I don't like let, letting dumb people feel like they're right. I don't know what it is about me. I've gotten a little bit better, but when people respond, I, I just start boiling a little bit. 
Um, I've been better at muting people, but Jesus, man, that some of those arguments about Rob Anderson not being a good receiver are just absolutely crazy. Um, and I don't think going to the, the, the Panthers with Teddy Bridgewater throwing deep balls is necessarily going to um, use Rob Anderson to, to his strengths, to be completely honest. But um, he wanted to go there with Matt Rule. And this is another thing that people, people look at free agency as way too black and white. Oh, well, they signed him for, for two years, $10 million per year. Why didn't the Jets sign him to that? That's, again, black and white. You're assuming that the Jets offering that same price would get him here. What, what if the Jets offered him $12, $13 million a year, but Robbie Anderson wanted to bet on himself for that two years and he wanted to reunite with his, with his coach at Temple? So you don't know what the Jets offered him. And you might have rumors from Boomer Siasen, from Manish, from Samini. I don't care about that. We don't know what actually happened. So maybe they did offer him that and Robbie Anderson wouldn't take it. And Joe Douglas didn't want to pay that, you know, that Jets tax and have to overpay for guys to come here. So maybe he had more faith in Perryman at $6 million on a short-term deal than Robbie Anderson on a short-term deal for, let's say, maybe he was offering up to $11, $12, 13000000 million. So you don't know what happened behind the scenes. So it's not as, so as black and white as, as a, oh, if the Jets offered him $11 million, $1 million more than the Panthers offered him, he'd be back here. That's not necessarily the case. <clears throat> now, I would have loved for him to come back for sure for, for a long-term deal, whether it be four or five years, because he has that connection with Donald. He's one of the best deep threats in the NFL. He's, he's a good number two receiver. I don't like the number one, number two, because it's, it's really, you know, you have, you have H back Z, you have slot, you have inside slot, you have X. There's, I get, I guess I, I get it by the number one target type deal, but Rob Anderson's still an upper tier wide receiver and he's, and I would love to have him on the jets, but obviously he's, he's not anymore. He's with the Panthers. So uh, it's not as, so as black and white as, Oh, just sign him. That's, you, you never know what happened behind the scenes. So, um, <clears throat> Now with that, uh, Perryman, uh, I'm early in his film. I'm, I'm more encouraged. Like there's some guys who I'm less encouraged with than watching and more encouraged with watching like guys like, like Van Roten and Desir. I'm saying I'm lower on than, than other people are. Um, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm pretty early in Roten. So we'll see what happens with that. But, um, with guys like and him and Desir, I'm like I said, maybe a little bit lower on. Uh, Desir, I think, is a little bit overrated. He's like he gives me like Morris Claiborne 2017 vibes. We're like, okay, he's a decent number two, but he's a bend but don't break guy where he's gonna get beat, you know, underneath often. That's kind of what Desir is to me. Um, but I'm also a little bit higher on Fant than people, uh, just based on what I watched in 2018 to mid 2019 to late 2019. I think he took some legitimate steps. Uh, for a guy who's so raw at the position, that's really nice to see. So you're hoping you can build on that. Now, I don't want him going into the season as the starting left tackle or right tackle. I think what the Jets will do, whether it be through trade, bringing in Jason Peters, I think they're they're going to address the tackle spot. Uh, most likely through the draft at pick 11, you're hoping one of the top four guys falls. You have that guy start at left tackle or right tackle, whatever, you know, maybe, maybe if it's Worfs or Wills, they play at left or at right tackle. And then if it's, if it's Thomas or Beckton, they, they play at left tackle, you know? So uh, I think one of those guys will come in and start at one of those positions. And then you most likely have Fant and Adoga compete for their spot. And then you have uh, a good backup swing tackle, which yeah, backup swing tackle and Fant at eight million dollars is probably eight nine million dollars is probably too much. Um, I would have been more comfortable with him at six seven million dollars. That's what backup like swing tackle a good one is going for nowadays. Um, but I think it's kind of a contingency plan where they want to ensure that they had another guy on that line. So it's a little bit of an overpay, but I liked his film a little bit more than some other people, especially like I said, the the steps he took. Um, I don't think at the end of the season, 2019 season, is elite by any means, but you watch just go and watch week 17 2018 if you're bored you know you should be quarantined and even if you don't know a lot about film 
go watch him week 18 uh, or sorry, week 17, 2018, and then watch him week 17, 2019, and look at the steps he took and you don't have to have a great eye to see that. So um, encouraging. Uh, and then with Perryman, I, you know, which I started this, this, uh, this topic on, um, I'm a little bit more encouraged with, with him. Um, I think, you know, 2000, he was drafting what 2016 or whatever it was 17. Uh, he got injured for his whole rookie year. Second year didn't produce much. I think then this third year he went to the Browns and, uh, didn't, didn't play much there. He did. Okay. Um, or 18, he went to the Browns and then 19, he went to the bucks and I'm early in the bucks, the, the bucks season. I think I have it in my notes right here. Uh, I started, I watched week three, three, eight, nine, ten. I'm on week 11 and that's before he went off. Um, and I think he was doing okay. He didn't, he didn't look bad even when he wasn't getting the ball, but having guys like, you know, OJ Howard and Bray and, um, obviously, uh, Godwin and having Mike Evans, he was, he was looked at as a third, fourth, fifth option. So, but I think there was some encouraging signs there. Um, he's a little bit, not I would say inconsistent with his routes um, but he has some really good physical tools obviously with his size he's like he's 6'2 um, 215 really really fast guy uh, in the combine I think he ran like a 424 426 427 whatever it was he was in the 42s which is really impressive for his body size um, he's pretty interesting so that, that, that that's gonna be the next review I do I'm probably it's Wednesday now I'll probably put it up uh, Thursday and Friday. So maybe I'll come back and do it on a Saturday, on Saturday. And then like, hopefully this year on like a Monday, I'm going to start pumping out shows every couple of days, because like I said, I want to get out at least, um, Perryman this year and Fant or Roten. And then the eight draft guys I, I have done. I, I, if, if there's a ninth guy, it might be CJ Henderson, but we'll see. Um, so other than that, I don't think there's too much. I didn't, uh, leave that. I, I think the only thing <clears throat> I could, I could share, um, is my opinion on what they could do the rest of the of free agency, which I I'm going to keep updating my phone to see if they do anything, um, in the next you know hour or so that I'm, that I'm doing the show. But I think what's remaining is addressing some depth in, in a lot of key areas, but overall the positions I really want to see them, um, address are cornerback. I, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to grab a, grab a cornerback in the in the first four rounds of the draft. I legitimately might think it might be O line receiver receiver O line or or O line, you know receiver O line receiver. I think they're going to go offense at least out of three of those first four picks. Maybe maybe it's an outside linebacker in a corner, but that's such an unknown that I really really would really like to sign another corner. And a lot of people will say again, it's just the simplicity of people's minds. Oh well, you know Greg Williams played well with Mullet and and Bless Austin whatever. Look at who they were playing. They're not playing the receivers and the teams we're playing this year. So you're not going to be able to run simple concepts, not asking them to think a lot and press the line of scrimmage and get aggressive against some of the top teams and top receivers are playing this year. So let's add another corner. Um, I think this year is a, a decent stopgap number two. Um, and I don't think they're getting a number one at this point, but I, I, I'd, much, I'd be much more comfortable with a cornerback like a Mukamara over – guys like blessed Austin who produced for a couple of games and then got benched and has injury problems like Mollette, who is like 28 years old and never produced. He's a journeyman guy. And, and he might've caught a, might've caught a little bit of a lightning in a bottle there, but I'm not going to count on him to produce as a number two for all of 2020 season. It's just crazy. So Mukamar is a guy I'm looking for the jets to sign or any other cornerback who's a stopgap type guy. I think a guy like Curry, uh, uh, Vinnie Curry from the Eagles that obviously Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas is, um, familiar with I think it's a smart ad um like I said they, they signed back Jenkins who for five million dollars I think is worth it I think he's a he's an okay pass rusher a good run setter I think he's a decent 
outside linebacker, which is okay. You can't have superstars every position, but I think adding another guy, especially if you're losing Brandon Copeland, who signed with the Patriots and seems like a great guy. Good luck to him. Just not against the Jets or really not ever because he's with the Patriots, to be honest, but he's, he's a good guy. But I like Basham and things like that. But I think having a guy like Vinnie Curry would be nice because he's a, he's older. I think he's like 30, 31. But when he rushes the passer, he's still really efficient getting hits and pressures and things like that. So I think that's a, that would be a good add looking at outside linebackers just to fill a spot um, for cheap. Um, uh, Trent Williams trading for Trent Williams or, or Jason Peters, I think is a, is a smart move for the Jets. It gives them more flexibility in the draft where let's say, you know, they really want worse wills or let's say back then at 11 or Thomas at 11, whichever way it may be. And they're left with one guy that they don't really feel is a scheme fit that gives you freedom. If you sign one of those guys to, to let Williams or Peters start at left tackle, let a Doga and and fan compete for right tackle and then maybe they love judy and they take them maybe maybe it's not judy maybe it's maybe it's chase on they want to address outside linebacker there but i think getting one of those guys shores up the offensive line and and really makes me feel much more comfortable because at this point whether jets fans want to hear it or not they still have a below average offensive line i think the only the only plus starter they have right now is mcgovern who's probably in that eight to twelve range um i haven't done film on all the centers so i don't really know but you're looking at left tackle and fan, you know, let's just say it's fan. He's, he's, he was super inconsistent. And can you take that next, next step? Yes. But if you had to bank your house, you know, bank your bank, your bank account, bank your house on him being above average to average, would you probably not? I, I wouldn't. So that's below average. Uh, you know, Alex Lewis below average, let's be honest. He, he's, he's a backup type player who may, may be below average starter type guy, but every time the Jets got a big play last year, it seems like he, he uh, wiped it out with a holding call or whatever it may be. So he's below average. Connor McGovern plus starter, like I said. Brian Winters or Van, Van Roten, below average, let's be honest. And then Adoga at this point is below average with steps. I think he can take steps in the right direction. That's another thing. Like I said, I'm just kind of ranting, but it's a lot of things coming out um, that I just heard. People, oh, well, cut cut Chumadoga. He's, he's trash. He was a a third round pick, a fourth round pick. And people shouldn't have to look back any further than last year on how guys in later rounds or even first round guys, whatever it may be, may develop. Um, Look at guys like Fado Kasi and Shepard. Look at the steps they took in their second year. So, so Adoga can't take a step up in the right direction. That's that's crazy. People develop. And another thing talking about the draft is a lot of people saying with Robbie Anderson, which I didn't even think about, oh, we'll just draft a wide receiver. Is, is it really that easy? Did, did a lot of people think Corey Coleman was going to be legit? Did a lot of people think Kevin White was going to be legit? Did a lot of people think even Sammy Watkins, I think, who for his his draft says hasn't lived up to it? Uh, Hayward Bay. How many draft busts has there been in the first round who people, I'm sure at the time, are saying, oh, he's legit top 10. You don't have to worry about anything. Turn out to bust. So now you're going to say all these guys in the second and third round are going to be top-notch wide receivers no matter what. It's such a foolish thing to say that, oh, just replace Robbie in the, in the second or third round. Like, those guys are automatically going to be as good as him. And a lot of people with Perryman said, oh, well, Perryman was a first-round pick. Uh, Robbie Anderson was, was an was a undrafted free agent. He's more talented. Okay, then is Tom Brady a sixth round pick? So, so Tom Brady is not as good as Geno Smith, who's drafted in the second round. Like such, such, such simple minded, shallow arguments I've been hearing over, over. And Jets Twitter drives me crazy. Where I wish I can just interact like people who I like, like Joe Olivo and and Charmin and Michael Nania and uh, Spotty Blackman, who who's been uh, reposting some of my work and and uh, seems like a knowledgeable guy. So I appreciate all those people, but like the the ninety eight percent of other Jets Twitter, I should I just mute everybody and let them enjoy my work if they do um and and leave them alone because some of those arguments that oh it's just so easy to grab a wide receiver uh yes this is just replace him like there's guys in the second round like van jefferson or or 
or maybe even rugs or maybe any of these guys can be a bust now if you if you have a trained eye and maybe you trust it um great but you don't know for sure if a guy's going to be good now i trust myself more than maybe the average maybe not uh more than the average jets fan does but you don't know if, if Ayuk or Van Jefferson or any of these guys or, you know, whoever it may be, um, Mims are going to be automatically better than Robbie Anderson. Cr- absolutely crazy to say, by the way, absolutely crazy. Cause you know, like, you know, Kevin White, he, if he was in the draft, everybody's, Oh my God, just get him. And they got him. And if he produced like he did for the bears, people would be pissed. So let's just not just assume that guys are in the draft or are, are, automatic locks to be superstar good wide receivers that's absolutely nuts um Stephen Hill you know a bunch of guys like I could go back to and you could say oh the Jets drafted poorly in those years and that's not the same GM um listen man, I, I like Douglas and I like how he's attacking the offensive line and I think he's been relatively smart I don't agree with every move you know maybe chalking up some more money for Conklin uh, would have been smart maybe maybe signing Glasgow would have been smart maybe pointing up for Robbie Anderson if if he would have taken it would have been smart I don't know what happened behind the scenes um but the Eagles look at the rec- and, and we don't know how much say <clears throat> he had he's very widely regarded as the best like GM candidate in the pool last year. The Jets got him for, for a you know, ton of money. Um, but the Eagles are struggling at wide receiver. They probably have one of the bottom uh, receiving cores in the entire NFL, which I don't know how much he has to do with, but we're just going to assume he's great at drafting wide receivers and every guy's going to work out. Just That's just bananas to me. Um, but I don't know why I went off on that. But Williams or Peters would be great. Uh, I would be willing to trade a third-round pick and maybe like a, a fifth next year, whatever it may be for Williams. He's 32 years old. He's had some injury problems, but he's, he's one of the, I think he's still top five when he's healthy, um, maybe top 10 because he hasn't played, he didn't play last year, but he is legit and he's rested. So I would love to add him. Peters is 38 years old, but for a year or two, um, I still think he's a, he's an upper tier left tackle as well. Uh, wide receiver depth, as we were talking about. Listen, I think a is a solid number two, uh, a decent role player when he's healthy, he hasn't been healthy. So you can't bet on that and past him and Perryman, who has had some injury problems too, and has been inconsistent throughout his career. You don't have Demarius Thomas anymore. You have a bunch, you have, what the hell is that guy's name? Vincent Smith. Like, like who do they have? So I think even with the draft being deep, I think pointing up three, four, $5 million for a receiver, like a Paul Richardson, like a Taylor Gabriel, like a Rashad Higgins, like a Jermaronimo Allison would be smart thing. I don't want people. Oh, I can already hear people on Twitter. If I said that on Twitter, Oh my God, you think these guys are good? Like what the hell? No, I'm saying those guys as third, fourth, fifth receivers aren't the worst thing in the world. There's a difference between wanting a depth signing and me saying, oh, these guys are, are legitimate number ones. So I, I think bringing in one of those guys would be smart um, for the Jets. But let me, uh, I think that's it. Like I said, I don't want to spend too, too long on it, but I, I, I think I kind of just spent like a half an hour or so on that. So talking to myself, but um, looking at the 31 other plays of McGovern. Like I said, a little bit rusty last time. Hopefully, I'm not as rusty this time, but I, I was not breaking down film um, on a show like this for, for a little while. So, let's, uh, let's see how this works out today. Uh, I know this is a bucket step, as we said. And, and if you're just watching, if you're just watching this, this show and you didn't watch the last one, part one, 
um, is up on Jets X Factor on YouTube on the podcast app. Like I said, Blue It's Blitz. Uh, five star reviews uh, or even ratings are awesome. It gets me out to more people. More people listen. More people subscribe. The more money the website gets, the the better quality microphones, computers I get. The the better writers we get. So it, it benefits you for our subscriber definitely. Just to throw easy, go on the podcast app. Even if you watch on YouTube, hit five stars. Done. Um, but if you didn't catch last week, uh, I listed the strengths and weaknesses and things like that. So I'm not going to do that again this week, but uh, we talked about the bucket step last week. It's going to come backwards and like almost like split his legs right there, allows him to drive off of that foot and, and open his hips. He opens his hips. He's blocking this, this, uh, this two, this two eye right here. Um, he works laterally because he, don't, he doesn't want to work towards him and then ha and not be able to cover the play side. You have to give some ground to gain some ground, uh, works laterally, uh, gets his left arm into the, into the chest, it seems, and he's not able to come to fully land that left arm on the, on the chest to, to work as that pivot point, but he still is, is getting low working off of this instep and, uh, and is able to, to reach him and cut and cover ground. Uh, eventually getting that left hand into the chest um, and setting up for the running back. So, so good job by the good job by McGovern and like people even commented on this. Oh, well he didn't, he didn't get far in the run. Um, it's not a good play. <laughs> like, man, some people, some people, uh, an incompletion, no matter if Sam Donald rolled out, broke 15 tackles, Chuck uh, threw it up with perfect accuracy and, and zip to what to whoever the receiver being, he drops it. It's an incompletion, not a good play by Donald. Like that's the simplicity of people thinking. Uh, so good job reaching him right here, bucket step, um, working his hips around, sinking off of the and sinking and working that instep of the outside foot. Um, really good job by by him there. Uh, let's run through these. Damn, looking at myself on camera, I got a freaking shave. I I, I do I'm not a guy with, who's been blessed with good facial hair. So uh, 33. All right, good and bad. All right, so I can already tell he's overcommitting. Yeah, so like I said, for the most part, he's pretty damn good with, with stunts um, and picking them up and not overcommitting and playing long. But there are a few examples of him um, not. And it doesn't show up too often, but I do want to point it out. I, I don't want to just be, be a homer and put up 62 plays that are good over McGovern. I want to put up the bad as well. I try to be as unbiased as I possibly can with film reviews. I don't try to lie on them. Um, I think it'd be pretty foolish to put the work I do into it and then, and then lie about players and only put up their good plays and then overhype them and things like that. But um, I like I like the left-hand punch, how it gets into there. I like how he gets his right hand into the shoulder. You can see that he, he has the one tech off balance. And right there, he should just finish this block right here. He's shoving him into the into 65 right here. Drop that drop that post a little bit a bit and and get square to the line of scrimmage. He doesn't do that. He can he continues with the block and they're and they're running. Which I don't th to me it doesn't look like it's supposed to be like a like a, a te stunt. It looks like it just happens that way where this guy gets hit by him. He's like okay I'm just gonna I'm just gonna loop into the middle. Um to to me that's what it looks like it was because he wasn't trying to hard, he wasn't uh trying to penetrate hard or anything like that. I just think that uh, that's that's what ended up happening. So a uh, good left hand into there, pushes him. He needs to get square now. Uh, he gets square too late, overcommits, and then this guy loops around and he he ass blocks him. He just again, smart for him to not try to flip his hips right here because he's 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 just too compromised right now. So he turns and just tries to get in the way. Um, and Flacco is able to, or he's not able to, which he needs to get rid of the ball right here. He Flacco's not good. I don't want him as a backup. I I just don't. Um, a lot of people. 
last couple of weeks have just completely forgotten about Trevor Simeon, and it's because he got injured in the Browns game. But Trevor Simeon, with the, he he was a, he was a starter with the Broncos, so I think like in his in his starts he was like sixteen touchdowns, fourteen picks, which like I said you know stats aren't everything, but he's not a bad backup to have. So let's not forget about Simeon. But Matt Moore, Simeon, I rather have over a guy um, and Joe Flacco. So uh, good and bad by by uh, McGovern on this play. This is the good. This is the bad. That's the good. Trying to recover is the, is the good part. The smarts to do that, but uh, Flacco just just takes that sack when he should have just chucked that ball to the to the feet of that receiver. Um, shallow right there. So it's probably a good angle. Too fast. Yeah. Okay. So they're running a like a lead outside zone. And McGovern doesn't have any threat. He doesn't have to, especially with outside zone. If this was inside zone, he, he's going to block back to the, to the one tech. Um, and a lot of people, there's like misconceptions about, about zones and things like that. They don't always have the zone step to, to their left, no matter what, if it's an inside zone tight zone, he doesn't always have to go to the left. Um, in, in the scenario, this is an inside zone tight zone. He would block back. And then this, these guys would turn into man blocks. That's still a zone play, but there's man blocking into it and him blocking back. Uh, so there's different rules. It's, it's good to know. So, uh, this play, he, because it's an outside zone and the aiming point is, is, you know, the outside, he's not going to assist on this and he's not going to assist on this. He's just going to the, to the, right to the, uh, to the second level, um, to the Mike backer. And again, good angle. Like this is what like Skarnecchia takes, uh, talks as straight line blocking. Um, but right here, he needs to be wider in his base and, and flip his hips to this guy. See how he just overruns him and he, and, he, and he shoots underneath of him? He needs to get more square right here, um, be a little bit more you know, um, in control. Again, a little bit top-heavy. Um, not too, too much here, but I, I need to see him be, be more square because, yes, you know, the, the angle sh- you know, could be high for him to, to, to come uh, over top. And to get the running back outside, we also have to account for him undercutting you as well, which he undercuts him. So I'll, he needs to be more square um, on the second level right there. Play 35. Inactive feet. I think this Colts game is probably the game he struggled with probably the most. This is a, this is a rough, not, not, not necessarily the best game for um, Connor McGovern. And here, okay, good, good job. Um, blocking down good leverage right there and this is what I was talking about last week what you really want is your you want your shin and your upper body on the same on the same plane like you want to be like parallel lines so you have a parallel line with your with your shin not will both be on parallel lines you don't want to be you want your shin parallel to your upper body because that's just not how it works you want a parallel line and a line and they have to be parallel you want um, this angle if you look at you have to look at my mouse for this. I'm not going to try to explain this. I'm not with I'm not going with angles and degrees and things like that. This angle from his knee up through his up through his um, through his uh, center of center of, of of gravity. You want to be the same angle reverse as your hip into your uh, lower part of your leg. So this angle, if you flip it, you want it to be almost the same as that angle, which it which it is, and. Y- your shin and your upper body working into the guy that's that's the pressure with your hands that's fighting the force against the force your 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 thigh being back like that is is balancing out your your center of gravity um because if you're if you're if your thighs were straight and in line with your with your shins you're you're gonna be falling over try to stand like that leaning on your toes like you know the michael jackson pose that's why that's why people can't do it you fall over so his 
thighs being back like that balances out his center of gravity, which is, which is his hips. Um, and it also acts as like a, like a shock absorber type deal right there. So uh, good leverage right there. And I, I didn't explain that as well last week. That's why I wanted to see a block and, and, and explain that. And then he, he rolls his hips up through it. But the problem with me here is, okay, you have him blocked. And you know, if anything, he's going to have to scrape over the top to make this to, to make this uh, this tackle. So I would like to see him shuffle here and work his hips um, at a you know to get to get higher uh, into the play, not higher into the play, but but uh, cover the ground that he needs to. So I'd like to see his you know him shuffle with his right and his left right here, so he can't scrape over the top to make this tackle. Um, he is able to scrape over the top and make the tackle. Exactly why he needs to work his hips um, and his body upfield a little bit um, while staying you know, uh, at the angle he, he is in terms of his, his hips being pointed toward number, uh, towards number 96 right here. So uh, stump pickup. The next play, like I said, only 31 plays, so relatively short show. Uh, Perryman should be about 40 to 50 plays. Maybe we'll just bang that all, all out um, in, one, in one show. Uh, let me know what you think about the mic quality, by the way, too. Like I said, I, I go off on a bunch of different things, but I'm not using this little thing right here which apparently is supposed to upgrade your mic. You had it over here, but I think that's making the scratchiness. So if it sounds good enough, let me know, and I'll just keep it like this so you don't hear any of those sounds, and I don't have to worry about it. So, um, okay, so this is a better, a much better stump pickup from him, and this is what he typically does. Um, so they're sugaring the A-gap right here with the linebackers, sugaring the A-gap with the linebackers, and he's sliding to his, his left in his, in his gap protection. Um, that's what he's tasked with right now. It uh, looks like you have you have man man him him filling that a gap. If the linebacker was the blitz, and then these guys are going to slide over and, and and gap protection right here. Um, so McGovern goes to his left, gets his right hand into the rib cage again. It doesn't it, the perfect place is the hip, but you don't want to have to reach for the hips. If you have a better base and 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 hit the ribs, that's fine too. Ribs is a good area. Ribs, armpit, hip, um, plays long. Nice and long with that little like uh, called a called a cross shove if you want. It's not necessarily a cross shove because his hips aren't completely square to the line of scrimmage, but um, plays long, pushes him completely, like throws him out of the play. Literally throws him out of the play. So now the guard doesn't have to worry about him. Throws him out of the play, stays square, eyes up, eyes up, eyes up. Sees number ninety three uh, as a looper. Gets square, punch in the chest. Nice space and finishes and uh, keeps up with that block. So good job for sure by McGovern on that one. 37 top heavy. Uh, showed you a couple examples of it already. Let's see what this one is. Yeah, so like I said, when you're leaning at the blocks like that and you and you get shed to the ground, whether it be by a pull or, or, or a chop or a swipe, then that, that's showing me that you're too top heavy. So right here when I say that when not – and this is what I said in, in his strengths and weaknesses – um, which I saw this a couple times when not engaged. I think he's too high in his stance. You can see he's pretty, he's standing almost straight up right here. Um, I'd like to see him, his feet more wide. You see how he's a nice, well, not a nice, he has a narrow base right now, standing up a little bit high. Um, and I also think he, he comes to the outside right here a little bit too much. I, I would like to see him be a little bit closer to the center. Um, but if he was more wide in his base while he wasn't engaged, he would, he would have an easier time dropping that post post kick uh, if you're looking on which I like I appreciate the people who listen to the podcast I don't understand how you take as much as you do if you're watching it uh, I know the shows are long and some people have said uh, they're, they're a little bit long you're quarantined or whatever if you're that dedicated to the Jets break it up into 
into four 20 minute shows. You know, I, if I do one a week, that's like the lockdown network where they do like one, one 20 minute show every day or 30 minute show, break my show up into this. And then you'll actually have knowledge of film to build, know what you're talking about instead of just, Oh, well, pro football focus or, Oh my God, this wide receiver has 700 yards. That means that he's not as good as the receiver at 800 yards there, <laughs> but I'm not going to go off on that again. So a little bit high, has a tough time dropping his post. And I think his feet become a little bit inactive here where he's leaning. I'd like to see him more active in his feet and be a little bit more upright. He gets uh, his, his hands um, swiped and, and he's leaning too much and he lets up a, a quarterback hit. So uh, not the best play from him. Like I said, the Colts game was the game I think he struggled the most on. Um, let's see. Uh, good, good run block, Mike Zone. Okay. Yeah. So on like a typical, on, if this was a lead play, these guys would you, would probably ace combo block this one tech and then work up to the mic because that's that's usually what happens in zone. They're working to the mic, the center, um, and then they're gonna leave this guy unblocked. He's gonna try to kick him out, and then and then bar right here is unblocked, and, that, and that's the lead part of the zone. Uh, in the mic zone, they're going to block around the mic backer, and they're not going to work to him. Um, whereas these guys are probably trying to work up to the backside backer right there. They're leaving the mic unblocked. So the, the aiming point of this zone is the interior. Um, and like I said, the benefit of zone is, you know, depending on how the defense lines up and reacts both pre-snap and post-snap, um, zone allows you more flexibility than a man blocking scheme does, but zone is a little more complicated than those man blocking schemes, gap schemes. So, um, in this block, if, Number 96 was to shoot hard on the, on the, on the a backside A-gap. Keep him on the backside A-gap. The, the, the backer's going to fill – the mic backer's going to fill what, the, what number uh, 96 doesn't, the one tech doesn't. So he comes backside, block him backside. He defines himself to the, to the play side A-gap. Take him to the A-gap. He's, he's, trying to, he's working hard over top. You can see um, McGovern, McGovern opens up. He, does, he doesn't get directly into him. He gets nice and square with him, gets his hands inside. He takes himself into the A-gap. And McGovern lets him take him there. Watch his hands rework right here. Hand into the into the rib cage, into the armpit. Instead of being in front of him, it's harder to push this guy to to the right side or to the defender's right um, with his hand there than if it was you know um, than if he were to reset his hand into the rib cage like he does right here. Takes him into the rib rib cage and keeps moving him, defining the gap. He defines that gap for him. Look, moving him, moving him, moving him, moving him. That is a good block it's little things that count his footwork at the beginning is is good he's not fighting for the a gap takes his hand into that rib cage into that armpit uh, armpit and moves him when he does that he moves him from here if you just watch if you just watch him the entire play number 96 right there he moves him a good one or two yards and look the running back has literally a a foot off of his off of his inside hip so he defines that gap for the running back um, who gets close to the, uh, you know, to the two yard line or so he only gets the touchdown. Um, this is where he's talking about, okay, well maybe McGovern helped, helped him. And McGovern is, is looked at as an average blocker, um, in the run game. Um, I think he's average, but he has some flashes of brilliance and he has some flashes of not being so great. So that's why I understand, but he has some good plays and this is a really good play defines that gap for him. Um, and he gets right to the, uh, to the goal line right there. So good job by McGovern next play. Power, third and one. Okay. Yeah, so this is just leg drive right here. So th this is a quarterback sneak on, on third and one. 
and it's different blocking in this scenario because you know that this guy is going to this guy's just going to lunge straight into you um or or, or split the the a gap with like that, that diamond technique of trying to beat that combo um so you have to come off the ball, the ball low and the benefit of this play is you're not going to have to stay into the block for long. So you, you can be off balance. If, if that guy's not there, you have the first down on the quarterback sneak. So you have to just explode off the ball and get lower. Even if you're bending from the hips, whatever it may be, um, fine. Throws a shoulder into him and, and, just, and just drives his legs forward. And it only moves him a little bit, but look, look how it moves 94. Now quarterback has that room. So uh, good, good, good job, uh, exp one exploding off the snap, staying low, and just driving. Even for those two steps, he drives number 94, which I think is Lundell Joseph, right, um, out of that gap. So good job against a top-notch um, defender right there. All right, next play again against the Vikings. Ooh, a little bit too fast right there. All right, so – Another stunt pickup, so slotting to his left, uh, picks up the the one tech again. Good base into the block angles and with both the sh that shin's a little bit more upright, but that's uh, he's just bracing off the end steps, so that's fine. Um, left hand inside. Eyes up, and he's like I said, he's really aware. He keeps his eyes up. He doesn't he doesn't duck his head into the blocks and not not be able to see what's what's coming. Again, there are a few bad examples of uh, the stump pickup that's going to happen. You know, the the best receivers in the NFL, the best hands, whether you know Dondre Hopkins is going to have a drop or Larry Fitzgerald has drops over the years. Like there's, and again, I'm not comparing him directly to it. Just what comes to mind. There's going to be bad examples, but you'd like to see a little bit less. But it's it's not definitely not a weakness. It's still a strength. So, a uh, good job getting his left arm into him and it's the, it's the little things that like he you, you see how patient he is with his block he doesn't he doesn't panic which 66 needs to be more on balance right here he, he hits a little shove right there and and he's he's off balance which i think is risner risner did not look good to me the, the left guard right guard of of denver was not impressive to me um so he gets his left arm inside and just just that little bit right there you see you see his left hand onto the shoulder like that little bit of like him not panicking means something to me um, he's a smart player. He's confident in his ability to drop his post and things like that. So he uh, shoves him to the, to 66 again, playing pretty long, keeping his his hips square to line of scrimmage. Uh, drops that post, right hand inside, and he and he picks it up. It's he doesn't have to do much work to it, but um, good job right there, keeping his eyes up, keeping his hips square to to the line of scrimmage. Good hole open. This is coming against the Bills now, who's going to be a frequent opponent of McGovern um, going forward. Hopefully for the for the long term. Again, and, and like Lindsley was is okay. I, I think Freeman's overrated. If they, if they were to sign, the Jets were to sign Freeman, uh, Royce Freeman, I, I I don't think he's the best running back. Um, he's not that great at reading things, but here. You have McGovern take that take that zone step. That's almost more of like a brace step because he's expecting quick contact from that that one uh, that slanted one. And good good job by him not reaching for this block and not panicking again. A lot of guys you see this guy crossing his face and they're trying to automatically work into him because they're panicking. They don't know what's going on, but he's a quick processor. He knows the run. That's not the aiming point. If if this guy wants to define himself in the backside egg, great because that's what you're going to try to do anyway. You're you're going to try to get in front of him. Um, and defined. So they, they run this uh, this tight zone right here. Um, 
which the Broncos really do like the the exaggerated punch step from the running back and then, and then uh, running with the the angle of the, of the track of the running back a little bit more shallow and uh, or vertical, whatever you want to say. So he lets he lets the number uh, the, the slanted one tech define himself, gets his right arm in, gets a good extension, and look at his eyes. So now so now number sixty five um, is going to react to that. He's going to overtake that block. So good job with like that stuff. Like you can call this like a cross shove into a stuff. You can call it just a stuff. But when you're keeping yourself square like that, and you're and you're throwing him into the next gap for the the the, the guard, one of the guards. I call that a, a he's stuffing him. So he stuffs him into into number sixty five right there. Keeps his hands on him while square. Eyes onto that onto that linebacker who's going to try to scrape over the top. Shuffle, shuffle. Instead instead of instead of being too high and things like that, which you have to move a little bit fast for linebackers. Um, I don't necessarily love his his feet crossing right there. Um, but still he gets the job done. And the running back doesn't pick the right hole, um, in my opinion. This is a big hole. Now, yes, you'd have to have for, – for me, the reason for this is I would like to see the, the footwork of the running back be a little bit more choppy, which allows for quick change of direction instead of these, these big hops right here. Um, you're not able to change direction quickly. But this is a huge hole. He, he has he, – if, if number 14, which I think is Sutton, holds that block, it's a safety to beat. Um, so even though this looks open at, at the time as well, but this is, would have been a better, to, uh, you know, hold to run through, but still a decent run, but good, really good job by McGovern, uh, right there for the reasons that I stated next play combo and climb. All right. Yeah. So this, they're running a, they're running a bob zone. It's it's like you have you have the lead zones, the outside linebackers or whoever's on the edge right there. You have the mic zones, um, the blocker working back to the backside backers with what I refer to as bob zones. There's boss zones for the secondary. There's there's wham zones. There's a a bunch of different type of zones. Um, this is a bob zone, and again, you know if if there was a if there was a one tech right here. He, McGovern would work for the one tech because there's no one tech. There's nobody threatening in that gap. And like the way I like to describe it for zone is, you know, if you're heads up on him, if it, it depends on, again, the zone play, but it's uh, just the very simple, like simplistic way to describe this is 10% of the time you're going to block back. Um, it's a, it's a, I think, it, I think it's the, the rule of um, like 10, 10, 30, 60 or something like that, whatever it is. But 10% of the time you're, you're going to block back if you don't have a, a guy right here. So um, there's no guy right here. So he's blocking back. It's, it's, not, it's not not a zone because of that. It's because of how the defensive front is. Uses that ricochet technique where he's going to um, drop that outside foot, work off the instep, and shove his shoulder right into him. Um, good ricochet technique, generates some power. You can see a little bit of pop it delivers to the, to the backside one. Eyes onto the second level. As soon as he does that, he's staying square. He's not overcommitting to that to that ricochet block. Um, works to the second level, and as soon as the linebacker closes more ground, he shows him that short area of explosiveness. Boom! Drops himself right into the uh, gets himself right into the chest of of a trimmate at Edmonds right there, and completely takes him out of the play. So, if number seventy two right here, which terrible block right there. I don't I don't know what the hell he's trying to do. If if he was to block this guy, um, this is most this is most likely a, a pretty big run right here because he wouldn't have to bend himself inside then outside he would have been able to hit just hit it. You have uh, Friedman who would be blocking the uh, the backside back right there and you have a huge run but it doesn't work out because the seventy two is is not good on this play at least. So 
Um, but a good job by McGovern nonetheless. So the play 43 again, we only have 18 plays left. This would be shorter. I, I think like 30 play reviews, 40 play reviews are good. Maybe I'll start breaking them up more than I do, but uh, works at a good angle. Okay. So again, we see the bucket step. If there's a bucket behind him, he's uh, oh, hold on. Let me pause this real quick. Getting a phone call. All right. And while I got that phone call, the uh, Jets apparently signed Patrick Amnuwaso. Um, Amnuwaso, it seems like the R is in. Um, don't really know a ton about him yet. I know he's 27 years old, fourth season, played with the Ravens, was the backup inside linebacker to uh, C.J. Mosley, was a safety in college. Um, from what I saw and what Nania said, because uh, he's a stats guy, he was – you know, uh, one of the lead inside backers for the Ravens in the first couple of weeks of the 2019 season, uh, struggled a little bit. And then when he came back from an injury, I think he was injured for like two games. Um, he uh, was a backup. So, and from based on what Ravens fans are saying, he is a guy who is a versatile guy, um, can play the run, can blitz. Uh, he can play in coverage. He's a little bit of a liability in coverage. Um, he was their like lead defensive uh, communicator during those first couple of weeks, and, and they struggled because of it. But maybe if he's in a reserve role, um, he'd be good. I don't know how this fares for Avery Williamson. I'm, I'm hoping that it's more that he's the, he's there. They want him as a third string guy. Like I said, I like Avery Williamson, um, but I, I don't want it to be now Mosley and Amwaso or whatever his name is to be the lead guys. Um, but then again, I haven't watched his film yet, so I don't really know, but I'm hoping he's more of that third string guy competing with Burgess, Cashman, and Hewitt for, you know, a roster spot or for, or for playing time. But they like said played safety in college is like, he's a lighter guy. I think he's like 6'3", 225 or something like that. So um, not the, he's not like a Sam backer or a guy who's going to be a Mike backer, uh, maybe Mike backer or you see it in like nickel sets and things like that, but um, they just signed him. So it's a one year deal. Again, like I said, Joe Douglas is just filling spots and he's gonna have a lot of work to do in the draft. He's betting on the draft a lot, but I don't think he wants you know to commit the guys for long-term deals um, when he wants to build the draft and, and build the roster up that way. Uh, it's putting a big emphasis on the draft, but there's a big emphasis on the draft no matter what, whether you're, um, you know, setting heavy in free agency or not, it's still there's still a big emphasis, um, you know, into that into that draft. So interesting move, and it kind of brings me back to the point of like uh, with with Pool. I was saying before, Pool is a guy who a lot of people want to see for a longer term deal, um, but one, he's betting on himself for a year. And two, if you're going to say, oh, well, they should have paid him longer for a longer-term deal, let's say $8, 9000000 million for three, four years. Listen, that's risky to me. Um, I don't I don't love how he's only here for one year and you and you kind of have to risk it and going into next year, you're not really sure what's going to happen. But at the same time, a guy who was pretty inconsistent in Atlanta came to the Jets and played well. Um, now, and I think he did play pretty well, but you also had guys like, you know, um, Bless Austin around him and Mollette and, and Dowell Roberts and Tremaine Johnson. So maybe his numbers look a little better than he was because he was decent in coverage where they were bad. So he wasn't targeted as much. Signing a guy with one year of good production as to compare to, to, you know, to two, three years before that being pretty inconsistent, paying that guy a lot of money um, is risky to me. So, but uh, again, signed uh, Patrick Omnu Wasso. Uh, backup inside linebacker type. Hopefully it's not to take over, you know, Avery Williamson's spot, but if it is, they save $7 million. They pour that money into, you know, cornerback 
or into offensive line or if they pour that into outside linebacker, I, I, I can get it. But I like Avery Williamson more than some others. Um, I like the angle that he works at here. Again, you're, we're seeing a bucket step off of, off of the snap. Again, he's working laterally, not not up the field because he doesn't want to engage too quickly and 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 not be covering the play side. So he needs to work laterally. Um, gets his hand into uh, underneath number ninety eight, which is Lutulele, I think Lutulele. I think that's how you say it. Left hand into the ribs, and I like the angle he works at here. Um, he's he's overtaking this block, and he's not able to completely cover. But I like that he is working both laterally and upfield at the same time. You're gonna see you're gonna see it here. He's working hard to get in front of him and working upfield um, because if he just stopped his feet and tried to just get, jump in front of him, he's going to get bull rush right. He's going to get, you know, push right into him. Um, so he's working upfield and, and uh, laterally at the same time. So I like that angle and it takes Lutlele out of the play. Jeez. Um, 44, this is the overlap technique, at least from my, what I labeled it as. I don't really know what I'm going to uh, see here. Again, I, I showed this in the last review. Um, this is seems like such a small thing, but it's so big in like offensive line uh, communication continuity. This is like what you want. Is again, he's sliding to his right. He shoots with his left hand. Um, it looks like he partially lands it, but it gets it gets wiped away. And look at his right hand. That right hand on that uh, right guard is telling him, like I said, basically I'm here. Uh, do you know if you if you have if you have to help the the right tackle go help the right tackle if that hand wasn't there now maybe he overcommits maybe number 93 beats the right tackle in, you know inside which he doesn't on this play but i'm saying you know it could happen so i like the over that's called the overlap technique so good job with the overlap technique putting his hand on the right guard telling him he, he's that he that he's there the right guard vacates to go help the right tackle um mcgovern's able to land that left arm into the chest of um, not number 98. And I like the hand reset here. You see how he's, how he's going to start to go into the bull rush or he feels that bull rush. He wants to get better hand placement. His hand gets wiped away. Watch his right hand come under in the hook, stands him up. Good job right there by, uh, McGovern. All right. Zone step, pivot around hand. we've talked about this a couple times, but it's another, did we just, this is a eerily similar play to the last play. Unless it's the same play. I guess it's not. All right. So, again, they're running this uh, this like tight zone. Um, maybe call it inside zone if you want, tight zone. And McGovern does the same thing he did last time. He takes that, he takes that zone step. You know, um, the, the one tech is crossing his face. He's not going to panic and, and try to just, you know, uh, get a, a push on him right away. He's going to let him define himself. He lets him define himself, gets his hand into the, in, into the, uh, the, the right hand into the chest and he pivots around it, gets his hips in front, in front of him, a good hand placement on both the, the hip with the left hand and the, and the right arm into the shoulder. And he, and he's, he stands him up. That's, that's a, again, a good play. Let's him define himself. Good hand placement, attacking the hip with his, uh, with the left hand, the center of gravity uh, covers the, the play side. And uh, uh, Lindsley gets some yards right there. So. Next works hands. All right. Yes, yeah, so I remember this play. There's just a lot of hand fighting on this one. So he slides to his left, left hand again, shooting from a pretty, a pretty good base. Uh, might be a little bit narrow, but um, I don't have too many qualms with that. Uh, left hand into the chest, it gets wiped away. 
as that hand gets right wiped away, you see him drop into into his anchor a little bit more, like drop into his base because he might be uh, anticipating some some bull rush. Double shoot. You have to you have to be careful with double shoots uh, because they're you know you don't want your hips to lock. But if you're confident, if it lands great, lands both of his hands into the chest, it stands the the tackle up a little bit. His hands are a little bit high. Again, they get wiped away. McGovern uh, resets his feet, comes in, double unders. I really like this 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 hand fighting gets wiped up immediately. One boom. There's there's no delay there. So really good job by him. Double unders. Now the uh, that number ninety nine tries to scrape over the top. Whether you know for whatever reason, if he thinks he didn't get there to number two, um, and McGovern again, double unders. Now that's not going to be affected that left hand because he's that, the guy's drifting away from it. So you want to you want to be able to uh, work into more of the body. Flips his hips, um, works his hand, boom! Right into the right into the rib cage, into the uh, the lower chest, um, wherever it ends up. Uh, so good, good job by him. Good hand fighting, etc. On that block from McGovern, fake punch. Something I always like to see in, in any offensive lineman games. Fake punches are are, are great um, to have in, in in your arsenal. So you see that right hand. So he he's blocking the one tech. You see that right hand? You see the you see the right elbow? He's coming up with that fake punch and pulls it back. It might be the left arm a little bit too. It's a little bit hard to tell, but I know there's a fake punch with definitely the right. The left could just be out and you know uh, being ready. But he shoots that hand and look at look at how the the one tech responds. He's like a loose he's like a loose one. I'll call him more of a loose one than a two eye. And uh, look how he responds to it. He tries to work laterally away from it, and sh- and and, and uh, wipe it away, swipe it away, wipe it away. I call it more of a swipe than a wipe. Wipe is more like upwards to me, and like circular, like Mr. Miyagi, where a swipe is kind of like down or to the side. Little, just as little tiny differences. So, um, goes to goes to swipe it, and he and he's leaning into it. So he's now he's off balance because of that fake punch. He set him up where he's he's both off balance and his chest is exposed. Boom, left hand right into the V of the chest and gets good extension. Working off of the, in, working off of the insteps, good, good leverage right here. Like I said, um, the, the angles, pretty much the same. Your feet are going to be a little bit back um, to be able to, to drive into them. Um, and they obviously want to be behind you if they're too far upwards. You're just going to get toppled over. So uh, good base right there. Good angle, extension, shuffles with them completely out of the play so good job by him plow is the next one again he's always he's, he's always looking to do this um he has the the stand up uh one tech over him or the zero tech the linebacker who drops into coverage he you see him throw out both of his drag hands to account for both of the a gaps if he feels something hit this hand he's gonna drop he's gonna drop and take that this hand drop and take that whatever um, his eyes are on the linebacker until the linebacker drops into coverage. Um, McGovern obviously looks to the left and sees that number 66 is getting bull rushed a little bit backwards. Drops. Big shot. I'll play this in full speed, and you're going to see a little bit of the uh, the big shot there right into the ground. You love to see uh, physical offensive linemen who are who are active looking for, for contact and things like that. So um, good job. Another plow here. It's probably going to be most likely similar. Again, he has the 
the one tech who he's going to he's going to block. He sees him drop into coverage. He has active eyes, looks to his left. There's nothing in the in the B gap and the A gap for him to block. So then he looks, he shifts, looks to the right, keeps his eyes on the right side. The uh, the three tech right there um, is going to maybe not even beat number 65 into the A gap, but he's at least threatening the A gap where there's no threat to the A gap or the B gap here, you know, to his left side. So he looks to the right, sees that plow. And again, nice shot. You'd like to see that um, from, from defensive linemen, I mean, for offensive linemen, it could make defensive linemen a little bit tentative at times. So good job by him. Short area quickness explosion and I listed I showed it a couple times when you know I'm going to put it down as a strength again so this is good and bad for me or from him to me again sliding to his left in his in his gap protection and he overcommits here um now maybe if he was a little bit closer maybe he could he could you know play long you know, cross shove, whatever it be while saying square. Um, he's looking to, to lay a big shot right here. And in the middle of that, going to lay that big shot, he, he has an oh shit moment where this guy, you know, they're, they're running this, uh, this TE stunt. And he definitely overcommits with his hips right here. Um, but this is the, that's the bad part of the play. This is the good part. I'm going to show this in full speed a couple of times. But the quickness to drop his post right here and get out, get out onto Ingram is this is like the best short area explosion play that I'm going to show of McGovern. There's some other good ones, but this one you're watching it in real, in real speed, you have to like check if you are not watching in full, in, in, in full speed uh, for an offensive lineman who's 300 plus pounds. Um, that is really, really good. I'm going to play just from that spot again, a couple times for you guys. That is really good short area explosion right there. Nice loose hips explosion off of the lower legs to be able to, to cover as much ground as he does right there, plus move his hips as he does. Uh, and he picks up number 54 just in case the quarterback did not scramble. So um, the bad, overcommitting. The good is that explosion right there. So the next play, quick pop. Okay, so they are running. Um, with the way the quarterback opens up, you know, they're trying, to make, they're trying to fake it like it's a pitch to the right, um, whatever it may be. Um, and it's, so it's some misdirection. They pitch it to the left. And McGovern is blocking down on the, uh, the, the one tech, blocking back, blocking down. It's, some people call it different things. You know, some people just say, okay, blocking down, blocking down. But how does the center block down? You could block down away from the play. Um, if you're the center, you can call it blocking back. I usually call it blocking back, but it's also blocking down for me. Um, opens up his hips to the one tech. The one tech is trying to penetrate hard to that A gap. He gets his hand into the uh, into the you know outside pectoral area. He's a little bit straight up, but he has a lot of contact. He's working through when your hands are when when you're sure you have solidified a lot of. Um, strength in your or, or kind of pressure in your hands and push against you being a little bit more straight up is okay. I wouldn't recommend it do, doing it often, especially if a guy's hand fighting you. But in this scenario, just try to get there quickly, gets his hands into him, extends them, and and he ends up on the turf. So um, good job right there. I said I watched the stance a little bit, but it's okay. So the next play locks up rush. Yeah, that 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 uh. Number 97 is not going anywhere and who is he's a big boy. He's a slanted one. He's he's probably he's probably 330, 340 right there. Is that is his name Mebane? Is that his name? I th I think it might be. 
um, like Patrick Mebaim or some whatever the hell that guy's name is. I think that's him. I could be completely wrong. Mebaim could be an offensive lineman, but for whatever reason, I think that's him. So he really likes to throw that inside arm. Inside arm lands on the chest again, staying staying square. He's not overcommitting to that to that punch. Um, I think he's he's a solid base right here, nice and wide. Um, is is relatively upright. He's not laying too hard into the block, but he gets his left hand in. You can see it pops pops him a little bit. That's effective. So good punch right there. Um, he gets his hand. You see, he he fights to get some bend in his elbow. You don't want to be completely locked out. Locked out, it's easier to move when you're bending a little bit. You you offer yourself a little bit more flexibility um, with your arm, with your elbow. So good job not locking it up, getting a little bend in there. Gets he he's definitely hold, like grabbing him right there. Um, it's not going to get called for a hold, especially if he's not working laterally away from it. So um, gets his hand into there. And then as you'd see, as he starts to get into his chest with that long arm, he resets his hand to attack the, the main source of the rush, which is that arm. He's going to reset his hand into the elbow. Uh, he's lifting that elbow, drops into his anchor with a good, with a good base, working off of the insteps, um, and gets his right arm into the chest somewhere in this, right? I think it's right there. Yeah. So, so the good thing about this is he's alternating. You don't, you don't want to take both of your hands off of a guy, especially when he's bull rushing you, if, if you were to take both your arms off to reset, now your chest is completely open. That's when you get blown up backwards. You, you want to alternate punches. You want to alternate resetting hands. Um, that's just how it, how it works. So I like that he has his, his left arm um, into his chest right here. But as he starts to come into that long arm, um, he, re he gets his – you're going to see the right, like the shoulder right there. He, he lands it. See the right – gets into the, into the chest right there, right there. And then he alternates to, to control that elbow while dropping into his anchor. So uh, good job by him um, right there for sure. Last 10 plays. This is play 53. Not his fault. I, don't, uh, that, I think this is one of the ones where I think, oh, well, he didn't really open a hole. This is one of the ones I got on, on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so another, another uh, lead zone for the uh, the – the uh, offense, geez, I can't remember forgetting offense. There's so many things going on with uh, Jets signing this guy. Now, do I do, you know, Desaire or Perriman first? I don't know if I'm going to do uh, Om Omnoso or Omnusu, whatever the hell his name is. I, I forget how it's spelled already. Patrick Omnusu, whatever, from the uh, Ravens. I'm probably, oh, you're pronouncing it wrong. I don't, I haven't heard his name pronounced and I forget the spelling already. So, um, bucket step. Again, and he's working against this guy. Looks like he's pretty aggressive. Yeah, he's aggressive and in working into that into that one gap. So you see some of this again. Good footwork. Good job working laterally and even a little bit backwards. Again, gaining ground to lose ground. If he's working at the straight angle, you're not just going to cut him off like that. You have to loop around that angle to to like I said, uh, lose to gain. Uh, does that with the bucket step. Gets his left arm into the into the chest. You see right there, right into the chest. And again, works that as a pivot point. You want it. You don't want to just work your hips around you want to work a pivot point to push against it while you're working your hips around it um it, it allows more looseness and flexibility in your hips when you're putting more of that pressure into into that guy and it also shuts him down a little bit or slows him down so good job getting his left hand in, into there gets low 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 works his hips works his hips works his hips and now he's uh he almost has like that that inside pillar uh not so much he's not he's not really taking like short choppy steps but he's just in front of him and the running back doesn't do a, a good job. Like, listen, him reaching a, a, a aggressive one tech right there, he just did his job. He's in front of him. He's, play, he's covering the play side. Now, the running back, 
instead of doing what he's doing, I would see him get a little bit lower, more choppy steps, work to the inside, hope this guy, this, uh, this, this defensive lineman reacts more to the inside and then take the outside or just trust yourself widen out a little bit. And then look, you have, you have a gap right there. So I don't, he, he cuts right back into, into where McGovern's working and with him having to gain that, that, that ground, um, with this aggressive guy, he's not going to be able to just completely shut down the rush like that. Like he's, he's trying to, he slam as much as he can, but he, the running back cuts right back into him. So that is not McGovern's fault. That's a good block by McGovern. Um, I think McGovern, I mean, I think, uh, Freeman should have cut through here. And then guess what? You have one guy to beat. This guy is completely blocked. This guy has outside leverage. Hopefully he works. I don't know. Let's see if he works up to that DB. He doesn't, but he should. Um, in the crack block. But you have one guy to beat. Beat him. Maybe you slip through. You break an arm tackle, and, and you're through for a touchdown. So I don't like Freeman's vision, you know, to be completely honest. From what I watched, I watched this whole season pretty much. I didn't, wasn't really focusing on him. But I noticed a lot of bad uh, footwork and angles and – and uh, gaps and things that he was choosing. So I'm not a big fan of, of uh, Royce Freeman. Blue that's name, at least. So McGovern versus, uh, versus one tech opens up to his right. Cause that's obviously where the, the one tech is to his, to his right. And he's on the uh, McGovern's right side um, to the offensive line's left side opens up to block him. He crosses his face. McGovern reacts by just, you know, shuffling, uh, shuffling to get in front of him. He lands his, I'm not sure if his left arm lands into the chest right here. Um, it it most it it looks like it does. Yeah, it does. So so he gets the hand the right hand onto the outside shoulder and the left hand into the chest. He gets extension. As he extends him, you know that this is like a good play. Just this is just like smarts and like kind of just being like a natural at this type of stuff. Like him getting his hands on extending, you know that his that this defensive lineman his response to that is going to be able to go go right back into that hand. He wants that pressure on your chest to bull rush you back. So he knows he's going to start leaning forward through that hand. And guess what McGovern does? Chop down hard. Now that now number 92 is off balance. Chop down hard. Reset his hands. Left hand into the chest. Nice low base. Uh, right hand into the into the rib cage and and stands him up uh, again. Nice block from him. Um, he's an, he's impressive. He's a he's a he's a solid center for sure. So. Uh, play 55. This one's feeling a lot more smooth than last time. You see, I was saying I was rusty last time. I definitely liking this one more. Uh, define movement. Let's see what happens on this play. All right. So yeah. So again, he's not. He's not. They're running a a tight zone split. Now look at this for the running back. Huge, huge hole. Um which is all you can ask for. You're running for interior gaps. That's what you can ask for. The running back should be able to beat one guy, um, which he, you know, he, he gets, ends up getting a few yards, but again, he's not, he's not trying to take uh, footwork where he's, where he's covering the gap or anything like that, because it is a tight zone. If this guy's, if this one tech is going to define himself or the two I tech more, he's going to define himself into that a, a gap, B gap, take him there. That's fine. Now I, 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 he has some room to be able to overcommit here because number 55, which I think is McKinney, um, you know, uh, works down to the, to the hash a little bit. So he, he, he gives himself uh, more room to be able to do that. I would watch it though. If, if he was staying more in the middle of uh, McKinney, uh, he overcommits right here, but he, again, because of the situation, he has his eyes on him. So I, and he, again, hand inside, attack the, attack the hips, the ribs, push him. Don't want to overcommit. Got to be a little bit more careful with that because that he gets to McKinney, um, and he's not covering the play. So I would like to see him 
even though McKinney is on that play side, I would see him disengage like now and then work up. He, he just stays for an extra step or two. And then McKinney, if McKinney was wanting to scrape over top at this point, he probably could. Um, but he just gets him by a hair. So I would watch that over committing a little bit, but works up again, gets his hands inside, doesn't pop lock him. Oh, he actually kind of does pop lock him a little bit, but McKinney is just standing still. So good and bad right there, but he really defines that uh, gap by getting him his uh, hand into the hip right there and the left hand inside. So good job. Uh, next play, stunt pickup square. Yeah. Okay. So again, we've talked about a lot of stunt pickups. I'll, I'll, you know, quick. I, I don't have to be too quick with this, but you have a stand up, uh, one tech as a linebacker. He's gonna penetrate that a gap. Number ninety seven is gonna loop around. Um, McGovern drops to his to his right, keeps his eyes up, does not overcommit. You see how his hips? This is where I talk about like playing long, uh, with that like that cross shove right here that he does. Hips are completely square still, completely square. And if anything, he's drop, He's really kicking that that left foot back to be able to drop, to get, um, no, you know, to 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 cover number ninety seven, get to number ninety seven. So I'd like to footwork, cross the the little cross shove, stays square, left hand inside, right hand into the uh, into the armpit shoulder pad, um, and completely shuts down the, the rush of number ninety seven. So nice, really nice uh, stomping up again, for him. We have uh, six plays left, I think. Define for touchdown. I feel like this isn't a big define, but it's enough of a define. Yeah, okay. So that's that's enough. So they are running called a called a tight uh, called a tight zone belly zone. Um, it almost looks like a read option, but it's not a it's not a read option. They're not doing read option with. Ah, well, this is lock. Maybe maybe it is, but it doesn't it doesn't look like this. That's not the play call. If there's a read option, just like an inside zone read option on a basic level, not like a like a wham read or a mic read or whatever it might be, um, they would be they would not block this guy most likely. But uh, that that happens in the, the linebacker safety whatever he is blitz safety blitzes at the last second off the edge. So um, their their aiming point right now is the backside a gap on that on that belly zone, and McGovern comes off the snap low. Nice low wide base. He's he's leaning a little bit, but it's he's he's fighting against quick penetration. Left hand inside, and look at look at the flexibility in the knees and the legs right here. This is about like flexible. Like you need that flexibility to bend in the knees, to bend in the legs. This it's funny because I remember when I proposed to my fiance that people were talking about. I always talk about ankle flexibility, and when I was took the picture of me down on the knee, like oh look at the flexibility in his ankles, which. Uh, a lot of people comment on that, so I, I still appreciate all you guys for for commenting. That was that was fantastic. It you know uh, it brightened up my day even more than it was already brightened up. So uh, left hand inside, driving off the incepts really, really, really low, um, and he just defines a little bit that little bit right there. So he takes him from like the middle of the two hashes to just another yard outside of it, defining it. Look, look how look this, the NFL is not a game of feet. It's not even a game of inches, a game of millimeters. Maybe maybe if he doesn't move him as much, maybe he can reach his arm out. Maybe uh, Winsley steps on his foot. It's a game of centimeters, millimeters, micrometers. I don't know if micrometers is a thing. It just sounds like it's really small. <laughs> so good job by uh, McGovern on that, on that play. Play 58 out of 62. I think this is the last game of the season, I think. Maybe. Maybe I didn't record. I don't know. Let's see. 
So he hops back. I got to watch that hop a little bit. He, he just trying to create some distance, but when he hops back, look, look what his arms do. He's vulnerable. You have to watch that. So that's just a little side note, but he hop, he's hopping back to create some, uh, to create some ground. He's dropping what, what is the post foot at first right hand on, uh, into the shoulder. Left hand into the shoulder, left hand, or, or sorry, right hand into the shoulder and left hand inside somewhere. And I like how he keeps him nice and tight and he just drives him right out of the play. So the thing with holding, there's holding on a lot of offensive plays, especially the offensive line. When you're, when you're grabbing and you're extended or with a little bit of, when you're extended 90%, it, it, it becomes much more obvious when you're, when, you're, when you're holding and you're swaying a lot with your arms to, to, to a ref. But when you, when you do grab, you get them tight. It's, it's harder to see. It's a lot less obvious when you're tight than when you're extended. So I like how on this play, how um, he gets that right hand into the shoulder. And yes, he is holding. But look, he's tight. It's not going to get called often. And just drives him right out of the play. Um, gives his quarterback even a, a cleaner pocket than already was. So um, positive play. Fourth to last play. Oh, so that wasn't the last game. I, only, I guess I only recorded one or two plays in that game. for. So I guess nothing really stood out. I guess this is the last game against the Lions. Fake punch. Fake punch. Watch the left hand. Fake punch. And the, the defensive lineman reacts to it. Undoubtedly, he, he reacts to it. He goes to, uh, to, to swipe, chop it, something that's not there. Uh, it's a little bit late. I, you think he'd kind of uh, retreat what he was going to do quicker than that, but he doesn't look like he's very good. Um, left hand fake. He leans into the into uh, McGovern. McGovern is able to get both of his arms underneath, or at least his left hook in, left hook underneath. The right arm is on the outside shoulder, it seems, as he bull rushes. Look how far he drops that left foot, working off that instep um, to create that pressure. Like I said, you want at least one of those foots to be, or one of those feet to be one of those foots, one of those feet to be back to create that, that pressure off that instep to fight against the pressure. Left hook in. And just and and stays with the block. Good good job. Um, being a little bit more quick on these last ones. I don't want to make the show too long. I don't know how long it would be now if I stopped it. But we only got three plays left. So and I'm hoping people enjoy it. It, it, it listen. It's offensive linemen. Um, but the people who do listen, who do watch, like I said, um, I've had a lot of people you know say they tell their friends and stuff like that. That is more appreciated than you know. The ratings, the reviews, great. Reaching out to friends and stuff like that. I don't. There's no other podcast who does film reviews like this of Jets players. There's great ones for the Bills. You know, Cover One's a good friend of mine. There's guys for the Ravens, a film study Ravens guy. There's like a bunch of stuff. But who does film reviews of the Jets? So I, I think fans being educated about who's coming to their teams, both the negatives and positives, and not just looking at pro football focus and regurgitating things they hear from some guys in in the media, whether it be guy a b c d beat writers some draft guys who i think are connected to teams i'm not going to name names there's definitely guys who are huge guys who are connected to teams and and just say what they hear but when it comes to actual film i see very little knowledgeable things in their film where they might put up a play oh great power cool man like great power like so i I, i'd appreciate people knowing about something actually talking about legitimate technique and for the people who do that i know there's people who do that um, and I don't necessarily know who all of you are. Bravo. I appreciate it more than, you know, even though I don't know you. <laughs> so, uh, but McGovern has nothing to block. He gets depth. He gets depth. You, you don't want to be, you don't want to be too far up the field 
um, and not be able to pick up loopers or anything like that. So you want to maintain your depth with your other offensive linemen. You don't want to stay on the same level um, because of what I said. Drops back, throws out that drag hand. Eyes are active. He looks to his right and he looks to the middle. He sees number 44 is coming. This is the, this is the part I like the, the most, is that he doesn't react to number 44 and chase him. So this is like the patience I show in, 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 throughout his reps, that he's, he's smart. He's not going to chase him, and then maybe a guy can penetrate to the A-gap. So number 44 presses down, and he's, and he's still keeping his depth, not chasing him. You see his eyes, active, 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 scan, 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 scan. He closes ground. He knows that he has the right guard of the system, right hand into the chest. Right hand into the chest, half body is – more than half body is clear. He just he – just, um, um, uh, giving a hand to that to that block. Uh, there's a better word for uh, just dedicating a hand to that block. That's what I should say. Um, gets his hand into the chest. His eyes are on to um, the 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 a gap, uh, assisting the the left guard if he needs it. He doesn't. He doesn't, and he keeps he keeps uh, his right hand onto number 44 right there. So really good job. Play 61. Play is long. All right. Slanted one. Another sump pickup. Like I said, he likes to throw that inside hand. Solid base. A little bit of leaning, but not too much. It's fine. He leans for it a little, just a little bit, but it's okay. Left-hand side. But again, he's not overcommitting. Uh, his hips uh, his hips aren't completely square, but it, it, it's, it's not a terrible thing. You want to see your hips completely square. Um, but in this, in this case, it doesn't end up as a bad thing. So it lands that left arm inside, uh, keeps it there and, and, and shuffles, creating some power into that punch, um, sees that the, the loop is coming, drops the post, drops the post right there with that left foot, hands inside and, and, and picks and picks it up. Always his, his hands actually don't land inside, but and you're gonna see him go off balance right here. A lot of people like a lot of things I see on Twitter too are people are putting up a bull rush, and then people don't look at the feet. His feet is crossed right here with the uh, the, the the right guard. So if he got trucked back right here, is it really the worst thing? No. Would you like to see him have a little bit more awareness with his feet and things like that? Maybe depending on the situation, but he still shuts down the uh, the stunt right there. So um, last play, good pass set. All right. Uh, hand fighting was the last one. Let's see. Yep. Okay. So for the last play, uh, pass set. He is he he shuffles immediately because they are going to pull that guard. Um, they're running play action, so they're pulling that guard to to sell their play action even more, which it does. Look, the linebackers react to that. If number if not, is number eighty two gonna run like a slant? Okay, no. So the uh, looks like the slot of the outside receiver to the. Uh, guess you can call it the, the boundary side and runs a slant. So he's open. He should hit him right now. Uh, I don't know if he does. He doesn't. So you'd like to see him hit that a little bit quicker and come off of that first read, whatever it may be right there. Um, but he needs to hit number 14 right there, which he does. It's just a little bit later than it probably should have been. Um, but regardless, whatever. So he shuffles to fill that, that vacated gap of the, uh, of the left guard who pulls. Good base. Left hand into the chest. Boom, lands it, extends, sinks. The uh, defensive lineman tries to work that, I guess, that left hand inside of him. You're going to see McGovern come down, chop that. So you're, you're, see, you're seeing that 
the defensive lineman can try to control the, the wrist or the elbow. I don't know where it ends up with the left hand inside. So they're working kind of opposites. And he's leaning into that left hand. McGovern chops it off balance. Now he's off balance. McGovern resets that chop. Boom. Right into his chest. This is the really, really important. Nice tight hand movements, hand fighting. It's really, really one of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing for us of offensive linemen. Chops it, lands it. And then left hand is looking like it's outside of the uh, – uh, eh, maybe. Whatever. The left hand lands underneath, like in that, in that, in that hook-type fashion, um, into, the, into the defensive lineman. Let me see that, though. Oh, maybe it's on the wrist. So he, he lands the right underneath, and then the right lands on the wrist of the extended right arm now. Um, the defensive lineman tries to work inside. He shuffles back to outside. McGovern disengages, shuffles to the outside, left hand again, look, boom, right into the chest. That's a good, good punch, good torque. You see that torque from the hips? Torque from the hips, driving off the insteps, nice and low, hops back and, and stands him up while the right hand is now controlling the left arm. Like there's so much just like hand fighting, him resetting his hands, punching, good punches, strong punches. So um, good job uh, by him. Like I said, I gave the overall, the overall view of him. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, his strengths, his weaknesses. I think he's a top eight to 12 guys. I have to watch all the other centers in the league to be able to determine exactly where he falls. Definitely a plus starter for the, for the Jets. Really liked his film. Thought they got him at a, at a good price. Um, I appreciate everybody for listening. Like I said, spread the word, please. Uh, if, if, if you want to subscribe to the show, like I said, if you're watching on YouTube, I think like halfway through, uh, you'll be able to see all the plays. And then at about the halfway point, it's going to like green over with like JetX subscribe or whatever. Um, you can subscribe. You can just listen to me on the podcast app if you don't want to subscribe to that point. So maybe you do half the YouTube video, half the podcast. But if you want to subscribe and you're not sure how to, just go to JetX.com or whatever. And you can, you can figure out how to subscribe there. Or on the bottom of YouTube in the comments, there's going to be a, a link to click to subscribe. It's two or three cups of coffee, uh, you know, uh, a month. I, I think it's I think it's worth it for the content you're getting with not only myself but with Saba, who does a mixture of of uh, some film, uh, some articles with like more like thoughts and uh, things like that. And you have you have Nania who does like strictly. Um, well, he does he does some articles too, and then he also does uh, some really really good stats. And then we we're having some other things in the works as well. So I think it's worth it. Uh, I appreciate everybody for listening. I'll be active on Twitter. Uh, this should be posted tonight let's see it's it's 3 30 on wednesday right now so hopefully it's posted in a couple of hours uh tomorrow i will be putting up uh perryman i gotta grind out seven games of him tonight so i'm gonna do that put, uh, put up perryman do a show on perryman in a couple of days i'm gonna do like the seer and then depending on how fans reaction is to the i'm 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 no so or whatever his name is signing maybe he gets priority over uh van roten or Fant, but one of those three guys or two of those guys. And then we're going to start breaking into, again, fan votes. We're going to put up a vote of like probably Wills, Werfs, Judy, uh, and Lamb or, or, or Chase on and, and see what people want. Um, but plenty of things to come your way. I appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, I will see you guys in a couple of days in the podcast. If not, I'll be uh, interacting with you on Twitter. Have a good day.